We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Light years is so fucking crazy to me. It's so crazy. Light years is so fucking crazy to me. It's so crazy. All right, we're back. This is our fifteenth light years podcast uh, this week. Uh, the people got we actually we actually created coronavirus to subject you guys to like forty hours a week of us. Uh, hey, the the funniest part uh, was Grant. Is Grant okay? Do you guys think Grant is okay? I think he was genuinely freaked out during our sound check. I think he thought like literal aliens were abducting Drew. I, we got to make sure. Got to make sure that the outsider bros are okay. I I was seriously concerned for Drew's well being there for a second. I don't even know how to describe it. He was like, "Hello, how are you?" I kind of regret not recording it. That's, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> is that how it sounded? Nice. Yeah. True friendship, you know? True friendship. He really wanted to make sure that he was okay. Meanwhile, me and Sam were like, dude, just fucking hurry up. Let's let's get this. Yeah, I was texting Andy on the side. Do we just kick him off and record <laughs> the two of us again? <laughs> no. Um, so we're going to – it's actually kind of funny. I texted you guys like, hey, why don't we do a full podcast on Clay Thompson without knowing that an hour after this pod we're going to get – the replay of the 60 point clay thompson game so just look at my timing or did you guys set that up uh, no you're just light years we may <laughs> we may have known that was coming in the pipeline so when we saw that that you want to do clay we we're like wow the coincidence slash irony unbelievable amazing so i mean obviously if we're doing a clay pod there's only one man in bay area media to bring on and that's the person that clay used to score 30 a game on it Stanford all the time <laughs> um actually i wanted to start with the beginning with clay because like I-, I remember not being thrilled when they drafted him so i guess i want to start at the beginning what'd you guys think at the time 
when the Warriors were going through the draft process, um, you know, they had Monte Ellis, they had Steph, they weren't really going anywhere. Grant, go ahead. Okay. So I had just, I had watched Clay a bunch in Pac 10, uh, especially playing against Drew. And so I <laughs> was Bubba, very. Is it from Bubble Cafe? Is that where you were watching the games from? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, guys, but I lived with the Stanford basketball team their senior year. Oh, wow. Even better. That is a true fact. And I used to sit like a couple rows up from the court pretending like I ran the place. And actually, do you want to hear a great story? I don't know. Drew, am I allowed to tell this story? I don't know. I don't yes, know what yes, you are. the story is that you're about to tell. The one about like me always hanging around? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. So at one point, um, there people were, you know... Drew, I don't know if I feel comfortable telling this. We can cut it. We can cut it. Ben, ben edits. That's fine. Okay. So... <laughs> Drew got uh, some some. Oh yeah, no, we're not going to talk about this. Okay, <laughs> I'll t- I'll tell you guys off the air, but yeah, we're not. We'll talk. We'll tell you off the air. All right, let's get back to Clay then. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I was I, I was got a chance to watch a lot of the games at Stanford, and so I, I got an up close look at him, and I thought he was a really good player. He, you know, he would score in bunches. He would get really hot. He was a little streaky with his outside shot, and I was like, oh, this guy's great. He has good size, whatever. But I never even considered him like a lottery type pick until the Warriors start getting interested in him. I'm like, huh. So then I started thinking a little harder about him. And then, you know, it really became at that point where I just kind of trusted Jerry West that if he really loves Clay Thompson that much, that I like him too. But it, it was just one of those, I, I, I he just was so unassuming. I, he just never caught me as a lottery pick. Um. Clay Thompson was, I mean, the, the scouting report was like, you need to guard this guy from the moment he crosses half court because he always could shoot it, had an, a beautiful looking shot in college as well. Um, the the crazy thing, though, is the defense because, I mean, he at Washington State was certainly not a guy that uh, was locking people down. And, you know, there were concerns about how he wasn't um, – you know, Quick too enough. strong and, you know, wasn't going to be ready for the NBA game right away. But uh, at six, seven with the way he could shoot it, it to me, it, it made sense um, why the Warriors liked him, especially because Joe Lacob, um, you know, watched him play sitting courtside at Stanford for several years and was a huge fan of his coming out of college. So um, I, I think this is a good opportunity for all of us to thank Jeff Petrie. Because uh, if he doesn't take Jimmer Fredette at number 10 overall, Clay does not fall to the Warriors at number 11. So it's kind of wild when you think about Petrie, who was the running the Kings at the time. The guy was a two-time NBA executive of the year and went to Princeton. Like, smart dude. And he took Jimmer over Clay. So Yeah, the Kings in the 90s and 00s consistently drafted kind of ahead of their position too like they always were kind of finding guys with petrie so kind of surprising um one thing i wanted to say so i was looking at uh i'm looking at draft express i was doing a little research for this and comps for clay thompson were mike miller and kevin martin and i remember that being kind of the noise about him like full discretion i didn't start watching him until he was kind of a name on the draft radar and then I was getting on like 2011 versions of YouTube. So how informed could my opinion have really been right then? 
but it just I just remember at the time being so underwhelmed by the pick. Wait, so I have a question for you. If those were the comps back then, what would you say his comp is now? It's Clay Thompson. It's Clay. I was just damn, just <laughs> stealing my thunder. Just no, but seriously, like who's a past player that you say Clay Thompson's comp is? Because uh, I have some stats for you. It, he what's that? I have some stats for you. Well, he'd be, I mean, just from the way he plays, you'd probably say he's Reggie Miller, except he can play really fucking good defense. Reggie's like a pretty that. good defender, but yeah. I think that that's who I'd go with. How about this? <clears throat> if you Ray look Allen, at the, here it comes. Ray Allen, if you look at his stats side by side, the first eight seasons for Ray Allen and Clay Thompson, Clay was is shooting a little bit better than him in field goal percentage, but their numbers are like almost identical. First okay. eight seasons. Yeah, the the hard part with like comping him to Reggie Miller, who I honestly think is more um, just stylistically close to how Clay plays, because he was like purely just working off of screens. Ray Allen definitely handled the ball a bit more when he was younger. Is like back in back in like the nineties, he was doing everything Clay was doing, but it was from like eighteen to twenty feet because they hadn't really figured out that you know doing it from three feet farther back is worth more points. So it's it's like hard to statistically compare him to Reggie Reggie Miller from that perspective. I, I still stick with my Reggie comp. Ray Allen. Um, so Steph, so so LeBron had Ray Allen and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and only won two titles in four years. All Steph has is Ray Allen and a guy that can't, that can't shoot 20% from three. It's crazy that even Ray Allen, who was, you know, playing this last decade and he was he played up till the 2013-14 season, um, even when just in 2010 and 2011, he was shooting um, like incredible percentages of 44% from three, 45% from three. And he was only taking four or five threes a game. Can you imagine if you're shooting like that nowadays, like how many threes you'd take a game? Well, I think that's part of like uh, I mean, we're starting from the from the beginning. I think that's part of the uh, the drafting where you look at him getting drafted. You're like, yeah, he could be good. I can imagine, <laughs> but he couldn't be good. I mean, like when we drafted him, I was like, eh, because of the fact guys like Ray Allen only shoot four or five threes a game. Like, we're not gonna think of those guys as they should be top talents, right? We don't think of those guys as they should be like superstars because we need them to handle, which Clay like kind of still can't handle. We need those guys to pass. We need those guys to do all these playmaking things that, look, those things don't matter as much anymore if you've got two guys that can shoot 45% from three on high volume. Uh, that just wasn't a thing like 10 years ago. Yeah, that's. I, I think that gets to what I was saying. Like when Clay was drafted, it's not that I thought he was bad or anything. It's, a, it's just like the idea of a shooter, taking a shooter in the lottery still felt like okay, you're drafting a role player right here. Shouldn't you be swinging for something a little, you know, a little higher upside? Like the idea that Clay Thompson could um, evolve into being, you know, a perennial all-star and a top, whatever, 15 player in the league. Like it just didn't compute because like your your perspective of guys who are just kind of shooting specialists or operated like him is like outside of Reggie Allen and Ray, or sorry, Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, um, nice. 99% of them are like, uh, you know, like a, like a Joe Harris, like you like them in the rotation, but you're not like, you know, Clay kind of looks like Joe Harris, huh? Maybe that's, I actually, guys, <laughs> I have a funny story for you, but I can't, it's probably not for a pod, but that's amazing that you just said Joe Harris. I'm just going to say that. 
<laughs> oh, I know your Joe Harris story. <laughs> um, but um, the other thing about Clay Thompson, uh, in terms of what you're saying, is if you watch his game in college, he wasn't overly athletic. He kind of, you know, he didn't run very. He wasn't a, a smooth athlete. He could get up. He had some good dunks, but he wasn't that smooth player, especially with the ball handling. And not only that, not a very good defender in college. So you put all that together and you just seem like, as you're saying, a role player that can, that shoots some threes, like a, I don't know, a Duncan like, Robinson. Like Miller. Yeah, exactly. You're like, I, you'd be happy with it at like 25, but you're like at 11, you were kind of hoping to get like a guy who could, you know, be one of your cornerstone pieces. Which like the guy that was taken after Clay, Alec Burks. Um, a lot of people thought he had the, you know, he was smooth, he can dribble, yep. he could, you could get to the cup. Um, you know, a lot of people probably thought Alec Burks would turn into more of like an everyday, uh, full game player than Clay Thompson. I was all in on Alec Burks. I thought like, okay, six, six ball handler can probably, you know, get you four to five assists a game makes perfect sense next to Steph, who, you know, can play on and off ball. And I was just like, they're going to just put another shooter next to him. Are we even going to try to ever do anything like defend, you know, play make just, we're just going to shoot threes ironic that's actually that's the big one it's like it's like yeah you actually can just win by shooting you know 23s between the guy but Alec Burst was someone like he can handle he can get to the rim he can pass you're like oh all those great turns out you need to be really damn good at those if that's going to be the way you're going to try to play basketball um and 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 it's crazy because Clay Thompson still can dribble and he's still an elite player in the NBA yeah it's it's an absolute fact and you know, some people go, wow, Clay Thompson scored 60 points on 11 dribbles. But, like, at some, t- you know, if you really think about it, I don't know if that's fully a compliment. It goes both ways. People use it, hold it against him, where it's like, it, it definitely speaks to uh, the team's ability to move the ball, right? It uh, speaks to Steve Kerr being a genius. Oh, hey, <laughs> slow it down. Don't be coming back on the podcast talking about Steve Kerr being a genius. But on the other hand, how many is players... Is that allowed could... or is that, is that like, do I get kicked off immediately? Sam no, loves no. Steve, so you're good. <laughs> Go oh, I was just going to say, with the game uh, when Clay scored 60, uh, the team did not shoot very well that game. He actually, he was the one guy who actually shot well in that game, and yet they won by 30-something points or whatever, because, you know, he was just a machine. And that's the thing about Clay is that he wasn't dribbling like crazy. He was just shooting the ball, and the team finished with 45 assists that game. And again, and I'm telling you, they were I think there were 6 of 23 without Clay from deep, and he was 8 of 14. Yeah. Is there Clay is there anybody the any anybody though that cuz he, he yeah, he could shoot the ball, but he's also better than Steph at shooting when they're hot. Like he's He's because better... he's bigger. Like I think one of the most underrated qualities about him is like, you know, at some point when Steph gets hot, teams start putting like four guys on him and like guys who are like six nine. Like you can put a guy six nine on Clay if he's feeling it, it's not going to stop him from rising up over them. That's a good point. Um. So so let's move forward. So I remember Clay's early years. Let, let's 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 reflect on Clay ups. <laughs> Uh, what did he shoot from three his his freshman her, his freshman route his rookie year? He shot forty one percent. Forty one percent. Him and it Steph felt like fourteen. The, him and Steph are the only two players who have also 
shot 40% every season of their career from three, three. Uh, hey, which so Steph is going to now lose. I got some stats for you on the clay-ups. Go for them. All right, so on shots from five feet or less, all right, in uh, Clay's uh, second and third years in the league, so 2012-13 and 2013-14, last two years with Mark Jackson, he was 55% and 59%. Uh, so just to provide the full context, that way you can understand that that actually is not very good. In Steve Kerr's first season, uh, Clay was 62% on shots within five feet. And since then, those numbers have gone up to 64%, 63%, 65%, and then 70% last year on shots within five feet. So second year in the league, 55%, last year, 70%. Yeah, makes sense. Now, is that who, I mean, most of that, do you guys agree, is just him simply maturing and getting more comfortable and bigger and stronger and just knowing how to finish in the NBA? Or are you blaming Mark Jackson for just the way um, the offense was set up with Clay not, you know, really learning how to be a guy who would finish inside? Well, I don't really remember too much like Clay backdoor cutting in the Mark Jackson offense to the rim. So like some of that baseline post us. Yeah. <laughs> Although he's, anyway, we we don't need to talk about the post ups again. Yeah, the the fadeaway. We gotta get him. We gotta get Clay his uh like Jordan fadeaway touches every game. That was definitely like a thing back then. Um, no, it's it's like a combo of both. Like the, playing within the motion offense, he definitely gets like a lot of layups just cutting to the rim, which he didn't used to get. But the other part of it's obviously you know you're stronger at 27 than you are at 22. Well, I think I think what Mark Jackson does well is or at least he did well with these guys is um he gave him confidence. Like he told him to just to keep hooping, like keep going to the rim, keep shooting. Um which which I think I mean there's a lot of I mean Steve Kerr's a better coach than Mark Jackson, he's smarter. But like that's one thing Mark Jackson has done well for the guys where it's like, "Hey, just just get better um and, and to give him confidence." And Steve Kerr kind of doesn't really do that. I think Kirk gives him confidence. I don't think that's I don't think that's fair. I don't think Clay suffers from any lack of confidence. The one thing that we're missing here is that in the motion offense and whatever, in the Kerr's offense, he had a lot more uncontested layups and stuff at the rim. Right. It's not talking about if he's being contested from five feet in, it's just his overall number. So when you're spacing out the floor that much, A, you'll get more options at the rim to actually finish, and B uh, Steve Kerr's offenses redefined what the fast break was pretty much. So uh, fast breaking, you're just going to be ahead of everybody. So he, I don't know if he really got rid of the clayups for the first couple seasons of Kerr, but I think he just had more open opportunities. I mean, now, now, that. now he's a finisher. <laughs> so, so let's go. So let's go to the um, let's, let's take a trip to 2014. They fire Mark Jackson. They bring in Steve Kerr. No one really knows what Steve Kerr is at that point. You know, he says all the right things. Likeable guy. Everyone liked him from TV, right? But, like, until you see him coach, you don't – Yeah, I, I remember him saying we want to play like the Spurs right after the Spurs, you know, won the 2014 title. And I'm like, yes, I too would like to play <laughs> like the Spurs. Like, very profound statement. You know, like, after they put together one of, like, the best finals performances anyone ever seen. Um, at that point – the Kevin Love for Clay Thompson 
trade rumors started popping up. So I just want to go around the table. Where was everyone at the time? Because obviously we will, we all feel like it worked out for the better. Oh for no, the I'm still in the. I still think Kevin Love should be a warrior. <laughs> I'm kidding, by the way. So true story. I legit. I at first was like, oh yes, Kevin Love, get him there, do whatever you need to do. I was like, package Clay Thompson, which would suck, but also put him with. Um, with maybe like that Draymond Green guy who looked good at the end and just and just get Kevin Love. And th- I really did believe that. Then all of a sudden I was, I think I was texting Drew or I was calling him. And I remember this. I was in a Sephora in the Beverly Center in LA. And uh, no, not Sephora. It was a Victoria's Secret. Swear to God, it's a Victoria's Secret. It was with my ex-girlfriend. And I'm bored out of my mind saying there, she's shopping. And I start doing some research and looking at numbers of Clay Thompson and I'm like, and I start projecting like how much he can rise to in terms of points per game and this, what he brings and the position and his shooting percentages. And I, I remember telling Drew, I'm like, I've decided I, I don't want this trade at all. Like, I, I don't think it makes sense. I think they need to keep these guys. And I remember feeling so good about it when it like turned out to be right because I was so the opposite. But thank God for being bored out of my mind with my ex-girlfriend and I figured it out. All genius comes from when you're subjected to doing activities with a significant <laughs> other. Yeah, bored out of my mind. How about you guys? Can, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, Can I go? Oh yes. my god. Yes. Well, we may only have right. You for two exactly. Minutes, so, so let me. Go. So let me get it in. Um, so I will uh, absolutely admit <laughs> that I was okay with them trading Clay um, for Kevin Love, but only if the deal did not include Draymond. I was. I was like, no way I'd give up Clay and Draymond for Kevin Love. I, I remember that vividly at the time. You had a line. You're like, you can have Clay, but we're not sweetening it with like Draymond and picks. And because they were trying, I remember at the time they were trying to, they wanted a pick. They wanted, they, they thought Draymond was just a throw in. They were like doing like, you know, like, like how we were like, oh yeah, give us a Kogi too or something like that. And, um, and and all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah. yeah, no, we, okay. had, Andy, we, had, we had just watched Draymond against Blake Griffin in the playoffs against the Clippers. And there was just no way that I would have been cool with them getting rid of both Clay and Draymond. But before Andy goes, I was looking back at some old quotes um, from that time. And Michael Thompson, Clay's dad, uh, was was on the radio was on his radio show back in June 2014, just talking about all the rumors about how Clay might get traded uh, to Minnesota. And this is what Michael said: "It's disappointing because Clay and I have been talking about this all summer and the possibility of this happening, as far as him and Kevin being together on the same team, along with Steph Curry. And he was really looking forward to that. He thought that if you added love to the Splash Brothers." With Bogut and Iguodala, they had a chance to get to the West Finals next year. If this happens, I'm going to have to talk him down off the ledge, end quote. So two things there. First of all, shows you how distraught Clay would have been if they actually traded him. But secondly, this means that Clay and Michael were discussing scenarios in which Clay like wanted the Warriors to trade Draymond and Harrison Barnes to get Kevin Love. Clay Thompson's brilliant. That is absolutely hilarious to think about Clay saying to Michael, dude, we, we just got to trade Draymond and Harrison and then we're going to be awesome. 
Like that is that special stuff. This all kind of points to Draymond because I remember at the time uh, I like Clay, but you know in my mind is like Clay's never going to be better than Kevin Love. I I don't think people remember uh, Kevin Love averaged twenty six fifteen and four the year before this. He was like regularly like thirty five and twenty in a game. Like every once every week you'd hear about him having some absurd stat line. I mean he was he was I mean he's a good player, but he was like at absolute like peak at that point. And the idea of giving Steph like a pick and roll partner who could shoot, could pass, could do all the things he could do seemed just like a no brainer, even if it cost you Clay Thompson, right? I mean, and, I was all in. You remember that's that's what we forget. Yeah. We forget how good Kevin Love was at that moment in time. Well, and then you Draymond literally erased Kevin Love's value in the league. Like, because <laughs> now post one, Draymond's a better player passer and decision maker than Kevin Love but two he just rendered like okay if you can't guard the pick and roll as a big man like you're just you can't play 35 minutes 40 minutes a game yeah and he was able to guard him in the post too like that that was what Kevin Love's kind of main that was the main benefit of K-Love like he could post you up and, and drop 20 to 30 points and he would never ever do that again. even clay i was, I was all even in clay can guard kevin love in the post though that's what's crazy well, about what is well, well by that yeah yeah i mean by that time too kevin love had become a different right player, for sure so yeah Le- lebron lebron made him go anorexic so i mean i mean and, and i think i think that's the other part when he was averaging 26 and 15 he probably weighed 250 260 yeah, I mean, he wasn't like UCLA big, right, yeah. uh, but he was he was like somewhere in between this like gap model. Yeah. Kevin, yeah, Love his, now. Kevin Love's like, uh, one year at UCLA um, was my redshirt sophomore year, and I didn't even I barely played in the three times we played against UCLA that year. And I had a front row seat to watch Love go against Robin Lopez and Brooke Lopez, and I remember just absolutely loving Love's game and being like, this guy is going to be unstoppable in the NBA. Um, but then sure enough, he just, you know, completely transformed what he was, uh, when he started as a post player and then became a three point shooter. And it's funny cause that's what, that's what's happened to Brooke as well. These guys have just evolved and, you know, become shooters. That was a stacked UCLA team. Was that Westbrook, Collison? Oh God, they were awesome. Yeah. Also, by the way, uh, can we talk about Kevin Love's beard that he had for a while that like gladiator Maximus beard? Remember that, like that thin one that go along the chin and the the jawline. Do you guys remember that? Are you talking about uh, before before uh, Cleveland? Yeah, before yeah. Cleveland. The chin strap, the, the, the chin strap, the chin strap, like the the prime prime Kevin Love. God, I'm looking at it. He right looked now. like he should be in the movie <laughs> Alpha. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna try that beard yeah, out. He, wow. He yeah he he went the, from yeah he went from like a drug dealer in Pennsylvania to like an LA <laughs> like just a few he, years he was wearing some serious like Ed Hardy and stuff wow. exactly yeah he was, he was oh, wearing he the, the um, he had the buzz ooh, cut going affliction the, <laughs> yeah just absolutely not missing a single UFC event <laughs> I can I can just, I, that's high school Grant I feel like that's just very <laughs> very high school Grant. <laughs> Uh, now, now he's like 100, 180 pounds looking like he should be in Hollywood. Uh, I was, dude, I, I looked at some of my old tweets from, from those trade rumor days, and I was, so, I was so mad that they wouldn't do the clay. I was like, just do clay, Draymond, and Barnes for clay love. That's, as, long as, as, long as, as long as you got Steph, 
As, actually, I'm still this way. As long as you got Steph, that's all. That's all you need, and then you get K Love, who's a superstar. Wow. So, so Andy, Andy, are you telling me that I should go to Twitter Advanced Search and just type in Kevin Love and your handle? I'm going to find some yes. good stuff. Yes. By the way, by the way, yes. One name you guys are forgetting that was part of Michael Thompson. What he was saying was David Lee. Yeah. I was but never. That, David I was Lee saying guy. he didn't include David Lee's name in there, so he must have been, oh. in his in his mind. David Lee's going to Minnesota as well. Yeah, that's true. Unless David maybe... Lee was the starting power forward. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like he was always part of it, just because they had to make the salaries match up, and it was either Lee Bogut or Iguodala, and that was kind of easy choice. Keep keep in mind that Lee was supposed to be starting the year after. Right. Uh, yes. Remember, Steve he got hurt in training camp. Introductory press conference said that David Lee is still our starting power forward and the only reason that Draymond ended up starting was because Lee got hurt in the preseason. It's another classic went, Steve Curse number into 18 and 3 to start the season or something yep. like that. Um what I was going to say is Falling yeah, no, this, upwards boys, that's what we call it. I, I actually remember that at the time because it's like everyone knew Kevin Love wasn't a defender, but it was like, well you have Bogut, one of the best rim protectors in the league, and you have Iguodala and Barnes on the rim. You could just hide him. And it's just another thing Draymond kind of proved moot. You know, like, no, you just you just can't hide a guy like that. Like, it's he has to be able to do something. Otherwise, you you kind of have a glass ceiling on your team. Uh, by the way, David Lee going into that offseason averaged 18 points per game and nine boards on 52% from the field. So, I mean, it wasn't just like he was still a name at that point. I think people knew his weaknesses and that he wasn't a good defender. Right. right. But, like, at that point, the idea would have been like a David Lee plus Harrison Barnes plus Draymond Green. That that's that's a, actually a, I mean Minnesota probably would have considered that package. Yeah, he was a name, but then remember that in 2013 the Warriors were better when David Lee was hurt and didn't play against the Nuggets and the Spurs really, and then they were better uh, against the against the Clippers as well. By the way, he was an All Star that year. It's like the D, it's like the D'Lo All Star, you know. It's where it's like, you know, it's like, eh, do we really count that? I don't know. I don't know about that one. Um, Steph was not an All Star in 2013. How funny is that? That was, uh, yeah, that that was Fitz was uh, Fitz was thing. letting everyone know. Um, I, I just remember all the broadcasts. He'd let everyone know the minute D'Lo secured the double double, <laughs> another double double. It was, it was, they were, um, actually, that's kind of funny. They were, because they were campaigning more to get D Lee in the All Star game than Steph. Like, the Warriors weren't going to get two All Stars. Guys, funny. In, in 2013, <laughs> in, that season when he did not make the All Star game, Steph, he, he shot 45.3% from three. On how that's many good. threes? 7.7. 7. So oh, he was shooting six. a lot. That's when he really yeah, took that leap. Yeah. And he, he averaged 23 points per game and seven assists per game. And he did not make it to the All Star game. That's the other thing. I was looking at the stats of the 2015 title team, and everyone was freaking out about like Steph and Clay and the Splash Brothers shooting so many threes. They were averaging 15 threes a game between the two of them. Like it's like literally within like four years, it went from like they're shooting way too many threes to why are they not shooting more threes? Yep. yep. Uh, All right, just, another, just, an, just another moment that Steph has been underrated. Uh, in his yeah, career. this turned into the Steph podcast very quickly. Gosh. I'm shocked Andy did that. <laughs> um, um, where, where are we going now? I'll say let's go to our favorite Clay Thompson moments Ooh. in games. 
can start with this. There are got a this, lot to choose from. We got the 60-point game on TV tonight. Does that even rank in your top five? Oh, absolutely. Either of you? Mm. The only reason that I would say no is because he's had right. four or five epic playoff performances. Well, that's what I'm getting at. If it's not in your top five, it kind of speaks to just how many great games he's had. So I'm trying to like, I guess, I guess work backwards on guys. That. Sixty points in 29 minutes is like that, that's 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 something. You know, if you put 37 points in a quarter as like definitely top five, then I don't know why 60 points again in the regular season in 29 minutes wouldn't be in there too. Well, because of Game Six, Clay. 2016. There's like, there's like four of Of course, those. game six play. <laughs> um, and then, uh, I mean, yeah, if you, if you just look at his four incredible game six moments in the playoffs, plus the 37-point quarter, that's why there's a chance that the 60-point in 29 minutes might not actually be in the top five. I'm going with 37 points. That's my favorite game. Um, I think that was the game that was – that was the Warriors rising. Um, that was – that was like these guys are so fun. These guys are the NBA. It was a shitty game against the Kings. Like I was there. It was really boring. Uh, and then all of a sudden, just that pops just, up. It's just a nondescript huh. late January game where everyone's like, "Is it the All Star break yet?" Yep. Friday night, I think it was. Um, it was a Friday just, night. I yeah, just a just a uh, just a nothing game. But the Warriors, when they when they became the Warriors, was they would make any game become the game of the week or like the game of the season, like any game. And he was just was it was like it was Jimmer guarding. It was somebody. No, 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 Stauskas. That's what it was. It was Stauskas guarding. Sorry, I messed up the white guys. But like uh, one of one of Vivek's five. This is the next clay picks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the way he was going after him was just insane. That's the type of game where I was like. Oh, a hot Clay Thompson is actually better than a hot Steph Curry. Like there's, and and you don't you don't get any better than like a hot Steph Curry. So, uh, just incredible. So hot that, right that, now. that that, yeah. Go ahead. No, I just said so hot right now. I was canceling it. So- <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, come on. Like, let's not be stupid. The best Clay performance ever is in terms of just magnitude and everything is is Game Six, 2016 Western Conference Finals, yeah. right? I, no one's going to dispute that. And it's the that. reason I'll always have a little bit of resentment towards Drew, no matter what. Forever. Correct, because what happened? Oh, married, that was Drew's wedding night. Oh, <laughs> I forgot yep. about this. Yeah, because I remember I asked you about it, and you're like, "Yeah, I was I was trying to watch her on myself," and I'm like, "No, no." <laughs> Drew Drew's doing his wedding, and I'm sitting up there as one of the groomsmen. Just we're all on our iPad. Everyone's giving their speeches for Drew's wedding, and we're going nuts under the table, looking at an iPad as the as the game's going on. What do you mean under the table? The iPad was out. Eventually, on the table. It eventually, the but table. I could see the scowl coming from uh, your you know your in laws, and I didn't I didn't want to you know keep it going, so I put it under the table. Oh my goodness! It was really your wedding. Oof. No, but then how dare you, Drew? The wedding, <laughs> the wedding dance floor went up a notch because it was like right when the game was ending and so everyone just could not have been in a better mood so it was uh it, it made for for an even more incredible night yeah let's get into this so okay so the game i'm trying to pull up but i feel like it started at 5 30 because it was it was it was either it was somewhere between five and six because it was a saturday yeah, usually night. the western conference finals games are at six pacific okay um 
So I'm, I'm pulling up the box score now just to get it. So typically nuptials happen before six, or were you having a late wedding? No, it was uh, the ceremony. You're right, it was I, 6 p.m. I, I believe the ceremony was 5.30 to 6 or 5 to 5.30, and then one hour of, you know, like a cocktail hour, and then sure. that led right into uh, to dinner and speeches and all that. So if the game ended around 8.30 or 8.45, that's, I mean, the dance floor opened up right about then. So Clay was going nuts probably around 8 p.m. was Were speeches happening at that point? Yes. yes. Speeches were happening. <laughs> Dinner was finishing up. I mean, it was... People were <laughs> people were distracted. And of course, my wife ha- has said to me over the years, like, I wouldn't have gotten married, you know, around Memorial Day weekend if I would have known that your career was going to be like this. And at the time, <laughs> like... Outsiders didn't exist. I right, wasn't right. covering the Warriors. Like th- none of this was was even uh, thought to be a possibility. No one thought Kevin Durant was actually coming to the Warriors. Um, so yeah, we of course uh, d- joke about that. And uh, <laughs> and then this year we were going to go away for our uh, anniversary because the Warriors were not going to be playing around Memorial Day. And then of course now, not sure if that's happening with what's going on in the world. Yeah, maybe maybe you guys can just watch a DVD of the Bahamas or something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, I do remember that uh, I do remember that game as the game where uh, the Warriors can play like shit. Pretty much, I felt like they didn't play very well the whole series and just win. Like it just it just against a team that was bigger than them, stronger than them. I felt like after a few games, oh, I was like, oh crap, OKC is actually better uh, than the Warriors. Uh, it just didn't matter. It it didn't matter when you got Steph uh, and Clay, and they just erase. Like, your dribble, 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 Kevin Durant, dribble, 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 12, 12 foot fade away, fine. And then Clay, Steph or Clay comes back on the other side, and they just drill a three, and, and that's that's worth more. That's, that game, I think that, that hit me, that series. That game to me was where I, like, I still think it's odd anyone would ever question any of the Warrior core players' mm. toughness. Because yeah. that game, like you said, OKC was better than them or just physically more dominant than them. And things weren't going right for them that game for like three and a half quarters. Like it was, there were various opportunities in that game for them to quote unquote, pack it up and just kind of, you know, throw it away till next year. But they just kept defending their ass off until finally someone in in this case, clay caught a little fire and to me, that'll always be like the defining characteristic. Like, I think they basically outwilled OKC. There was like a stretch at the end of the game where like Durant and Westbrook were just kind of making lazy plays when the Warriors were still making Classic. hard plays. Um, that'll always stick out in my mind. Someone someone that? watching a clip over there, but also why the KD slander? Why we got to bring that up? KD's <laughs> my guy. I'm just talking about that specific game. I know, you know? I know. Not a big deal. <laughs> in that game, Draymond Green had 12 points, but he had 12 boards, six assists, three steals. Um, you know, we we look at the big numbers, but if I watch that game back, I bet you Draymond Green makes a lot of huge plays in that game down the stretch. Draymond Green was part of it. Um, hey, that game, and then Drew brought up Drew brought up Game Six, Houston. That game. We had Steph. You're talking 2018? Two, 2018. Yeah, which correct. one? I mean, last year and 2018. <laughs> last year. Woo. That's right. 
right. last year actually that's one of my underrated clay clay Ooh. moments was um his defense on Harden down the stretch specifically like it was very I know I can make this guy you know just kind of I can break his will if I just pressure him enough like they, there was that one turnover right at the end where it's like how do you do that Harden and Chris Paul well and then of course Clay and, and Harden they go back to their Southern California right. high school days where you know Harden was always the more decorated player and Clay was kind of in his shadow and all of that but um, Andy you were going to say something I think about 2018. Yeah, 2018, 2018 game six at home where they were down against Down Houston. 17 the at the end game. of the first quarter. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely uh, insane. Uh, I remember I just, watching that and I was just like, I was um, I was out of town. I was watching it at like a vacation rental up, up the coast. And I was just like very miserable watching that game. <laughs> just getting very bitter, pacing around. Everyone's like, oh, we made dinner. You want to sit? I'm like, Fuck no. Off. Exactly. Clay Clay had 35, 9 for 14 from 3. And then also, if you go back and watch it, it was the most animated I think he's ever been in a game. Like he was making threes and then and like celebrating them and then picking guys up full court. It was like he he genuinely is the reason the Warriors win that game. Like everyone else was, yes, like you know, a little sluggish. He ignited the whole thing. He he just completely um, led them to the to Game Seven. And then last year in the semis, remember? I mean, we all know Steph had all thirty three of his points in the second half. Clay had twenty one in the first half. Like if he doesn't get hot, uh, the Warriors might be down double digits at halftime, and they're not able. To, to win that one. And then of course he also hit the dagger three late and then points at Joe Lacob and all that. So man, he's had some uh, amazing ones. And then of course, game six of the NBA finals when he tears his ACL and had 30 points. No one's convincing me they're not winning that game. If he doesn't tear his ACL. Oh, yeah. he was, he had, do you remember the pull-up three? He had two possessions before yes. the inevitable one <laughs> where, where Steph has his arms up and Clay Ooh. dribble pulls up with two guys draped over him five feet from behind the line or like something in that range. And Steph's just like, pass me the ball. And then he just swishes it. Anyway. I don't think a single Warriors player had even gotten with to the three point line <laughs> in transition. He just took it himself. Um, he had 30 points on 12 shots because he was 10 for 10 from the free throw line. Jeez. And probably 20. 20- some minutes at that point when his knee went out because it's what end of the two twenty two to go in the third is when he uh is when he tears it and then I mean people still are gonna the narrative is gonna be that Clay and Steph were you know kind of soft blah 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 whatever like the fact that Clay came back to shoot those free throws I mean that video is gonna live on and it's like you you can't. You can't be tougher. He ran no, back on defense. No, you, he was gonna play. He, he was gonna. He shook give me his, two minutes. He what shook you say? his give me leg five out. Minutes? Hey, hey. On top of that, keep in mind in the finals, he had he had a, he had his groin, so he was like supposed to be. He tried to. He missed Hamstring. the game. Or, yeah, he missed he game three. Wasn't even supposed to play. Yeah, he we wasn't even we supposed to sl- play. We don't slander Danny Green enough <laughs> for those dirty play. I mean, they weren't dirty, but it was just kind of like. Uh, the fi- but in the finals before that he hurt, he had that high ankle sprain. Uh, oh, 2018, uh, yes. Yeah. So I I think 
I mean, Sam brought up toughness. You brought up toughness. You're like that. That's tip right there. The guy plays through injuries. Where I think, like, if anybody else had, and he him, never shows it. There's never a crazy. cast at the podium. <laughs> yeah, no. Today, today's day and age, what he does in terms of being a tough man and Iron Man, it, it's not like other athletes. And the way he's not really on social media that much and all that is just he's kind of old school in the way the mentality of just you go out there and play and you don't complain. As uh, as Michael Thompson said. After the 2018 finals, um, Clay showed him the Kobe toughness. And that, uh, obviously that quote, you know, is uh, more powerful, you know, given the, the tragic situation. But right. um, he he does. He is the guy, though, that I think exemplifies Kobe. If, you, if you're talking about that, that's the guy closest demeanor, to Demeanor, personality. Dem- Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just, just play through everything. Doesn't give a shit about anyone. Just go like, like I, like I. Uh, maybe you would think it's Draymond, but I don't think so. Like it, it, to me, it's Clay. Just with what he's done, and, and just all the guy cares about is winning. I mean, his quotes when KD went on the team, like we forget to talk about that when KD joined, he's talking about like I'm still gonna, I'm just gonna be more open. His shot, his shot selection didn't change. His shot attempts didn't change when KD came on the team. He just kept doing his own thing like that. He said, "I'm not giving up shit." Yes, that the quote is, "I'm not <laughs> sacrificing shit." Um, by the way, and I know this is the clay pod and I just, I've been holding this in for a while now when we were talking about the 2018 game, game six, every time we talk about clay game six, we talk about Steph, like, don't forget about Steph. How didn't he win this and that? But like every now and then I just need to throw in Draymond Green's name because you know, people still just no matter what will give Draymond Green shit and say that he just isn't good. But like that game six against Houston in 2018, Draymond Green had 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 5 blocks, and 4 steals. Like, Grant, you wanted to trade him for Kevin Love. Don't try to... <laughs> like, I'm the one who said, no, that's not happening. Kevin Love would have just dominated. I mean, those box score numbers were big. I get it. I was there too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Clay, yeah. On Draymond's front, yeah, when Draymond locks in defensively like that, it's Ooh. also one of the most fun things to watch. It's like there are very few players who are that fun to watch on defense because they're like a one man, um, one man wreck. It's like a Tasmanian devil or something. Before next season starts, we are going to do a pod where we focus on Draymond and Sam and I are going to go back and forth. We're going to go at it with what we think Draymond is, still has left in the tank, and I can't wait. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that'll be interesting. That's so let's before we before we get out of here, let's let's talk about Clay going forward. Clay is now 30 years old. He has a surgically repaired knee. What do you guys expect from him next year and then going forward? Clay Thompson, it, it, usually you have to worry about somebody coming off of any injury and ACL is is not a fun one, of course. Yep. Um yep. in NBA, uh, historically ACLs haven't been as bad as other injuries. Um, we've seen a bunch of people bounce back, and Clay's still young, which is uh, pretty good. But at the end of the day, the good thing about Clay Thompson is he's, he was he was built to be a catch and shoot guy first and foremost. I think the biggest struggle we're going to see for him adapting at first will be uh, defensively to move laterally. I think that will be maybe a little slower than we remember at first. But I mean, at the end of the day, if Steph Curry's healthy then Clay Thompson will have a just a fine, just totally fine transition back into the NBA next season uh, off his injury. The, it's just, Clay is just, he's a machine. And I, and I truly think you will see him get back to the form you saw him for the last few years 
maybe not next year. Maybe he'll be at 80% of that, but I think the following year he'll be back. I'm I'm 100% with Grant. I 100% agree. I think that's I think that's what we should expect from Clay. I think I'd be worried about Draymond uh, next year. Although, like, you put a gun to my head, though I'm not sure why that would happen. I would still Draymond in a big series, still trust him. But with Clay, yeah, I, I think that's that's what I'm expecting. Like th- with Clay and Steph, it's like I expect these guys to be pretty damn good, like at 35, right? And and Clay's got the size, he's got the shooting, he's smart as hell. Like he should be, you know, good even longer. Um, I mean, it's just their games aren't too too based on athleticism Steph's probably a little more so uh just with all the quick twitch stuff but yeah man they've they've I think the window is still at least a few more years uh for these guys I think it'll be fine Drew yeah I mean you guys pretty much covered it I the the biggest concern is going to be can he guard the elite point guard still I mean that's that's what it comes down to like he's going to continue to be uh, you know, stout enough to guard shooting guards and small forwards. But, you know, e- even though Steph is a much better defender than people give him credit for, and he actually does match up against the elite point guards uh, at times, Clay just finds himself switched on to, to point guards. And sometimes the Warriors just go with that strategy. And can he still be an elite all defensive type player? I mean, that's that's the concern. I actually think um, – I agree with you guys. It's going to take him a minute with the defense and what it's going to look like when he returns. But I actually think next year we'll probably see Clay guarding the small yes, forward. Yes, I was going to say that. And we'll see Wiggins Wiggins on the whoever the quicker, more dangerous guard is. I agree right. completely. I think I think we we've seen him starting to do that a little bit, especially just before he got hurt. Uh, he guarded Kawhi a little bit against the Raptors. He was guarding really LeBron too. Yeah, he was guarding LeBron. Exactly. Too. So I I completely agree with you, and um, that'll Wait, be interesting. Wiggins, Wiggins is going to be on the Warriors. Well, actually, to be honest with you, the only thing you guys are missing is that Anthony Edwards will be guarding the opposing point guard. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I, I am woke. We won't. I've I've got no words. I just hear the beer bottle. Lamelo Ball. Lamelo Ball has no words. Wow. <laughs> You guys are Anthony. You know what? Save I, it. I'm we'll talk about it later. That's the draft pod we'll do together. When the, when the draft comes up in October. We will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs>